0: Welcome back to Lindy Line, an original story and podcast by Simon Brooks, copyright 2020. We're about to embark on chapter 16, so if you haven't listened to any previous episodes, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to episodes 1, episodes 2, episodes 3, so that we can begin episode 4, chapter 16, Three Travellers. The moonlight occasionally caught the light of the horn, the silver of the wings. Adele, Achamus and Harp travelled out of the western forest, over the plains and into the heart of the central forest. They rarely travelled by day. Achamus knew the further east they travelled, the more likely they would find safety. He knew that within the Mendips, a range of hills east of the forest, they could lose themselves not just in the hills, but also in the caves and tunnels there. Many of the tunnels would be fine for Harp, but would be too small for the Pegasus and Unicorn. Many of the tunnels, although not all, had been made by a tribe of people called the Mendip Dwarfs, but it had been a number of years since the tunnels had been lived in. These tunnels would be able to hold all three, Adele, the Unicorn, Achamus, the Pegasus, and Harp, their Eunice's child. All three were hungry and tired. With snow still on the ground in places, it was hard to find food. The forests had provided little more than the plains, but the food was still in short supply. Winter was not a time to travel for any creature, no matter how magical. Chapter 17 Looking for Wild Creatures The hunter and Avery had left through the west gate and had ridden south along the walls of the city to the town of Eastgate. There, Hans had been waiting for them. He had a mule which was loaded with bags of feed and a large bundle of hay. Thank you, Hans. Is your man at the castle telling the king what is being done? The hunter leapt down from his mount and began tying the laden, some say loaded-up mule, to his dale pony. He should be there shortly. Hans smiled at the hunter's ride. Lucky that's not another Welsh pony or we wouldn't be going too far. I know, but the dale will be fine and Princess Avery knows how to ride well. I feel it will be us that need to rest before these ponies. Shaking hands with his cousin, he led Avery and the mule over the bridge crossing the Falls River and rode towards Central Forest. As Avery followed, she was surprised when the hunter left the rutted road and took off through the trees. "'Why are we going this way?' said the princess. It's a shorter route than the road. I don't know where in the forest the creatures are. We need to ride as far as we can to the east. I have a feeling they will head to the Mendips. Just south of the fort there are tunnels and caves in which they could hide. I think they might head there. Of course, I could be wrong. The ancient dwarf caves? Yes. If they don't go there, they may try to get to the forest outside Wilhay and make for the south hills. The forest at Wilhay is small, however, and I think they would stand a better chance at the Mendips. It's just... "'The case of them knowing this,' said the hunter. "'They galloped on. "'Don't ride Happy so hard,' called out the princess. "'What? The pony you're riding on is called Happy. "'Don't ride him so hard. "'He's not used to grown-ups riding him. "'It's my sister's pony.' "'The hunter slowed down to a canter, "'leaned forward over the pony's head "'and whispered in the creature's ear. "'Sorry,' he called to Avery as he sat back. "'What's your pony called?' "'Go Lucky.' Avery smiled and patted her mount, some would say ride. Happy is larger and stronger, but this little Welsh pony has more stamina. They rode side by side where they could, and single file where they could not. In places, rocks and boulders, tree stumps and brambles made it hard to pass. As night began to descend, the hunter slowed down some more. Why are we slowing? asked Avery. Are we there? No, no. But there's a good-sized stream up along here somewhere, and that's where I want us to rest, spend the night. I also want the ponies to cool down before nightfall. That way, the unicorn and pegasus won't get skittish if they smell the ponies. They slowed to a walk and eventually came to the stream. The hunter jumped off happy and removed the ponies' saddle and blanket. He then helped the princess get the saddle off Go Lucky. He then grabbed some hay from one of the bags on the mule and handed it to Avery and took a handful for himself, and they began to brush the ponies down. The hunter looked up. Do you feel something? he said. No, like what? Nothing, I suppose, he said. Once he was finished, he unloaded the mule and spread some of the feed out on the forest floor, and then did the same with some hay. The two ponies and mule began to eat. The animals won't eat all that, said the young girl. That's enough to feed five or six ponies. I know. Said the hunter. I'm hoping the smell of it will attract the unicorn and Pegasus. Oh, by the way, said the hunter, do you sing? Chapter 18 A Battle is Planned. King Boris had his army split into two. The main body, some would say part, of his army had been gathered in South Cardin, across the border from North Cardin. The other, smaller body of his army was up north close to the coast, but hiding in the forest. The Great Forest, which grew in both kingdoms, had two names. In Lindyline, it was known as the Western Forest, but in Birchwood, it was called the Birchwood Forest. King Boris's plan was to bring his army from the south up the Falls River to Halfway, a town halfway between Cardan and the eastern tip of the Western Forest. The Falls River Road was a wide and well-made road built by some dwarves who had once lived in the Mendips. Boris was hoping to draw the King and Queen's army south, out of the castle and out of the city, and once they were marching south, Boris's army in the western forest, led by Prince Harold, would attack from the rear, cutting off the Lindyline armies from the castle, and it would allow Boris to invade or lay siege to the city. The decision, however was not as well planned as King Boris and Prince Harold had thought. Do you remember I said that many families, like the hunters, had family members in both kingdoms? Cousins might live in Lindyline, aunts and uncles might live in Birchwood. If you knew what these two kingdoms looked like, you would see the town of South Cardin from the west side of Cardin River in the kingdom of Birchwood and North Cardin on the east side of the Cardin River in the land of Lindyline. Brothers and sisters lived on the opposite sides of the river, but they were still family and loved each other. Aunts and uncles, friends and grandparents lived on both sides of the river and, therefore, in both kingdoms. Once the army began to mass near South Cardin, news made its way to North Cardin to family members. That news was then taken to the outpost and lookout tower. The soldiers there took the news north to the city King Boris and Prince Harold were not the only rulers to have spies. Any ruler worth his or her salt has spies. Look at Queen Elizabeth I of England. She had more spies than anyone else in the world. And so the Queen and King of Lindyline also had spies. And they lived in many places and travelled a great deal to make sure the subjects of the land of Lindyline were always safe. One of these spies had been sent to warn the King and Queen of Lindyline about the armies who were amassing some might say gathering in great numbers, in South Cardin. It was one of those spies who arrived at the castle just moments after the princess had been found missing. The king could not believe what was happening. His daughter was missing, the elves were accusing him of stealing the harp and in the process destroying a sacred, some say very important, tree and now Lindyline was about to be invaded. Talk about having a bad day. Advisers and knights had gathered about the king and queen in a growing crowd, and the noise in the hall was rising. Michaelmas walked up beside the queen. "'Your Majesty,' he said, bowing. "'May I have the harp for a moment, please? "'I would like to look at it carefully.' The queen looked puzzled, but went and got the harp, which was lying on the table with the elf standing by it. The queen then beckoned one of the advisers and said to her, "'Cancel the feast. Tell everyone they need to leave.' She handed the harp to Michaelmas and talked to one of the retainers as the advisor began talking to some of the guests. The retainer called for silence, which was given, and the Queen spoke. Sadly, we can no longer hold this feast. Our guests here are welcome to take any food and drink with them for themselves or for others who are not present in this hall. Please share all of what we have. We will need the generals of our troops, including cavalry and archers, ''We need them immediately. If you see any of our commanders, please tell them they are needed here at once. ''Please advise the citizens to remain calm, and if they know of others who are outside of the city, ''it is advisable for them to come within our great walls. We are well stocked for food and are well defended here.'' ''Your Majesty,'' said Michaelmas, turning the harp over and over in his hand. ''Yes, Michaelmas, this harp was not stolen by our own people.'' but by spies. How can you tell? asked the Queen. The King must have heard some of what Michaelmas had said and turned his head to face the old man. What was that? said the King. The elf who had been guarding the harp also looked at the old man. Michaelmas bowed to the King. Your Majesty, when someone possesses something, even for a short amount of time, their energy, their feelings, go into that object. It is like the way water is soaked into a sponge, or smoke might be absorbed by clothing. The energy I can feel is slight, because they had it for a short amount of time, but the energy shows their intent. They were very anxious. Whoever stole this harp, and it feels like humans, had the intent, some might say plan to misguide you into fighting against the wee folk. Micomus turned to the elf and continued... "'and to set the wee folk against your majesties. "'It appears to me the kingdom of Birchwood are trying to weaken us "'by separating us from our allies,' some might say friends. "'Someone was trying to make their way through the still-crowded hall. "'They tripped and almost fell, but eventually came up before the king and queen. "'The man was out of breath. "'Your majesties,' he said, bowing low, "'I bring news of Princess Avery.' "'What news?' said the king. Michaelmas turned and looked at the stranger and frowned. The stranger said, Princess Avery is safe, my liege, my queen. Princess Avery left with the hunter of Birchwood, of her own free will. The man was going to say more, but the king cut him off. Birchwood again. The king looked at Michaelmas. Birchwood. He turned back to the stranger. I need to know more. What other news is there? There is a unicorn and pegasus in the central forest. It had fled from Birchwood Forest, the, the western forest, sire. The hunter had been ordered to bring it back to Birchwood and to King Boris, but the hunter wants to protect the creatures. It, it appears they have a child. King Boris has a child? What does that have to do with anything? Oh, I apologise, Your Majesty. I did not speak clearly. The stranger, who we know as Hans, said, King Boris wanted the creatures to get power over Lindyline. He means to invade. The hunter was to bring the creatures to King Boris, but the hunter saw the unicorn and pegasus had offspring. There is, what I imagine, what one would call a unisus, your majesty. So the hunter is taking the creatures to safety, so King Boris cannot kill them. King Boris, as you well know, has a perfect hatred for unicorn and wants them all dead. The elf and the king looked at one another and back at Michaelmas. The old man turned and saw Jonesy fly back into the great hall and to land on his shoulder with Jack, the King of the Elves, on his neck. "'Thank you, old friend,' he said to the bird. "'And Jack, good of you to come, with all of what's going on.' "'Well, what's happening here, then?' said Jack. "'Too much, too soon. Have a look at this.' Michaelmas handed the harp over to Jack. The King of the Elves wrapped his arms about it. "'My harp!' "'What's it doing here?' the wee man said. Micamus explained everything, and Jack held the harp closer and shut his eyes. He began nodding his head. "'I feel it too,' said Jack. Micamus told Jack what the stranger had said about the magical creatures and the hunter. The king of the elves looked at the king and queen and bowed. "'Your majesties,' said Jack, "'there seems to have been some great misunderstanding. "'There's great involvement by Birchwood.' I believe they are trying to weaken us by setting us against each other at a time when we need each other most. I will gather my arm as allies and supporters and scouts. We will help you win this battle and war if it turns to that. We will help protect your kingdom as you have always been generous and kind to our people, treating us with respect and honour. We will also search for your daughter and the magical creatures. The king nodded and looked at Hans and said, You know the hunter of Birchwood? Uh, yeah, "'Yes, your majesty. He was a childhood friend of mine and his family from the land of Lindyline. "'He took my daughter.' "'With respect, your majesty,' Hans bowed, "'the hunter asked for Princess Avera's help, and she gave it of her own free will.' "'So you say. A full-grown man and one as strong as a royal hunter "'could easily take the princess with or without her will. "'She is a small and young child. You are staying close to me.' "'As you wish, your majesty,' said Hans.' The king raised himself to his full height and said, Sadly, for the first time in my life, I have to say and hear the words, To arms! Chapter 19 Ticket to Ride When the news reached the fort near North Carden, the soldiers who manned the fort watched with interest the gathering of the troops and armies across the river just outside of South Carden. These troops and armies were not those of Lindeline. Warnings were immediately sent to the city. Lindeline's soldiers then sent word out to the townsfolk of North Carden and those over the river at South Carden that the soldiers of Lindeline were going to leave to protect the city. Any people who wanted to stay could, but those wishing to leave with protection of Lindeline would be welcomed. Not many stayed behind. A handful of supporters of King Boris and his brother Harold stayed. But the vast majority, some might say most people, walked with the soldiers up Falls River Road. The citizens who went with the Lindy Line warriors were escorted as far as the lower junction of Birchwood Road and Forest Road and then made their way into the village of Eastgate and to the safety of the castle and its thick stone walls. Soldiers set up camp at the roads Junction and began building fortifications, setting up an encampment on the portion of the North Plains which was surrounded by the Central Forest to the south, the Western Forest to the west and by the city to the north. This encampment would create the first stage of defence against Birchwood armies coming from the south and would give some protection from any invasion coming from the Western Forest and Birchwood. Word soon got to them about the missing princess and a small guard set off searching for her. The army of elves who had been in wait for the southern Lindyline troops made their way into the western forest and crossing borders went into Birchwood. One small group of elven guard also went off in search of Princess Avery. At the castle, as the warriors gathered and armed themselves, Mikuma sat with the king and queen of Lindyline and their advisers. Neither kingdoms had huge armies of thousands, but a few hundred soldiers on either side could cause a great deal of destruction. I am not a fighting man, Micomas said to the king and queen of Lindyline. I will use my talents to seek out your daughter, Her Highness Princess Avery, and bring her home safely. I would like one of our soldiers to accompany, some would say, go with you, said the queen. "'to assist you, and to give you additional protection should you need it.' Uh, "'Thank you, Your Majesty. "'May I request Private Tommy Stanhope of the City Guard?' asked Michaelmas. "'You may. He was the soldier who brought you to us, if I understand correctly,' she said. "'Yes, ma'am,' replied Michaelmas, "'and he is fiercely loyal to you. "'So if anything were to happen to me—' "'Nothing will happen to you, Michaelmas,' said the Queen. "'If I know anything, it is that.' So it was done. Tommy, Stanhope and Michaelmas were given strong, swift horses with packs of food. Michaelmas rode gently out of the castle walls with Jonesy on his shoulder. Once through the city walls, he pulled the horse to a stop and climbed down. Stanhope watched the old man, wondering what he was doing. Michaelmas removed his staff from the saddle bundle and pressed its tip on the soft ground, holding the staff upright. He reached under his shirt and pulled out a small key. It was barely as big as his thumb and seemed to shine with its own light. He took the key and, turning the staff looking for the right place, inserted it into the wood. Stanhope suddenly noticed the engravings on the blackthorn walking stick and wondered why you had put a key into one of them. "Uh, What's that for? Tommy asked. The key? said Michaelmas. Yeah, that, Private Tommy Stanhope of the city guard, is the key to imagination, and with it we'll find where the princess has gone, and possibly with whom. Michaelmas closed his eyes. If we had a window into the mind of Michaelmas, or could see what he could see, we would have seen where Princess Avery had gone. Michaelmas saw a blue light spread from the blackthorn staff and slowly transform itself into a narrow beam, but not a straight one. Letting his mind sink into the staff and travel with the light, he flashed through the forest until he could see Avery and the hunter brushing the ponies with hay. In another flash, his mind was back where it belonged. I know where they are and how to get there, said Michaelmas Jonesy, my good friend. Could you fly ahead and try to talk to the ponies, see if you can make them stay until we get there? The raven flew off Michaelmas' shoulder, cawing and entered the skies of the forest. Thanks, old friend, called Michaelmas. Does he know where to go? asked Stanhope. He sees what I see, smiled the old man. Now it's time to ride. And now we leave episode four of Lindy Line. Come back soon. Same channel, same place, maybe even the same time. Until then, bye.